Hello and welcome to the uh, final day of TCT show and the final recording of the TCT, or what we call now, Sam, Additive Insight, a t- <laughs> podcast by TCT. Yeah, uh, right. I'm Head of Content, Daniel O'Connor. I am joined by... Uh, assistant Editor, Sam Davis. And... And Assistant Editor, Sandra Chackett. So, last night was the uh, TCT Awards. Yeah. Uh, did we all have a good time? Yeah, yes. it was good. Did I have too much of a good time? Yeah, I believe you did. I feel like I did. You had uh, the best time. <laughs> but I'm really proud of what we do at the awards because um, there are other awards ceremonies in other manufacturing spaces where you are, it's pay for entry and the awards are just basically paid for. Yeah. What I really like about TCT Awards is the way that we, A, shape them around applications. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a piece yesterday, applications, applications, applications. Mm-hmm. Then Gideon <laughs> stole my line. Uh, but I love the fact that the judge, we, uh, the expert advisory board, they independently judge. So we are kind of hands off. And up until a point, we do not know what's going to win. So it's always fairly exciting. Mm-hmm. And what's great is when you're on table with people and they don't know whether they're going to win. Yeah. Mm. It feels like a proper award ceremony. It's not um, a friend of mine runs a restaurant, Sam. And they have to pay to go to an awards for the pizza-making championships in the UK. Okay. You have to pay per entry for that. Wow. Would you, I'd go to a pizza restaurant because it won an award, but technically it didn't really win an award. They bought an award. Mm. Anyway, we don't do that. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the first award of the night was the Aerospace Application Award. Yeah. Uh, I believe, Sam, the winner was on your table. Uh, he was uh, Timothy Abbott from Moog, um, and he was very complimentary um, about the article we wrote in issue three, I want to say. Um, and that project was all about distribute manufacturing of replacement parts, essentially. Um, so Moog worked with ST Engineering, Microsoft, and Air New Zealand um, on a pilot project. Um, which was basically an hour into the journey from New Zealand to Los Angeles. Um, a cabin part was reported as faulty, uh, and then Moog and ST Engineering uh, 3D printed the replacement on site at LAX, and within half an hour of the plane landing, had installed the part so it could then complete three more journeys before it returned back to base, and that saved uh, Air New Zealand. I think about 30 grand, it was a, a business class seat um, where the, the part failed and so if they hadn't have replaced it, they wouldn't have been able to seat anyone there. Um, so it saved quite a bit of money and obviously it's a really good example of distributed manufacturing, replacement parts, which are you know two big target areas for 3D printing. And obviously Sandra, you um, translated Sam's article into the German language. Yes, I did. Uh, And being fairly new to the industry, was that kind of one of those eye-opening case studies that uh, helped you understand the capabilities of additive manufacturing? Yes, I thought it was really interesting. I I do wonder though, um, how long will it be before that is the standard or before even one airline uses it regularly? Because that was a proof of concept. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure how, how long these things take to really take off. <laughs> In that industry, a long time. Good pun. Yeah, that was a good pun. <laughs> <laughs> Pilot project was also a good pun. Oh, yeah, yeah. there you go. We just get it over that. I think uh, 
you spoke to Polymaker at TCT Asia about something very similar, didn't you, Sam? And so it's not just Moog who are thinking about it, it's everybody's thinking that process through. Yeah, and Timothy Abbott was saying um, when, we, when we interviewed him that um, they're, you know, they're committed to this kind of thing. Um, and you said they're at the stage now where this will be more common in the next few years. Obviously, kind of end-use parts for critical applications on a plane is still some way away, but with the advancement of the industry, I think um, it won't be too long. And highly commended in that category was um, rocket engine combustion changer from Skyrora. That's another thing you wrote about. I feel like that's all we're going to do, Sam. We're going to quiz you about the things you've written about. Cause <laughs> yeah, test my memory. To, you seem to be very good at backing winners. I've never been in the first two years, so this is a, a good year. But uh, yeah, so Skyrora um, worked with uh, Fraser Nash in, the, in England, Skyrora up in uh, Edinburgh, I think. Um, they actually keynoted earlier this week, and they use uh, Renishaw's metal technology um, to print about 70% of their combustion chamber. The rest is kind of nuts and bolts and things like that. Um, and they've obviously lightweighted it. There's fewer parts needed. Um, and yeah, there's, that's another one where there's, there's loads of those applications going on. There's Launcher with EOS um, in the States. Um, obviously, we, we tied relativity into that same article who are you know, printing the whole thing. Um, so that's a, yeah, another kind of up and coming application. I think if we move on to the next award, which is the Automotive Award, mm -hmm. uh, the winner there was um, Trinkle, who, did they win last year? As well, like, I feel like they won industrial. Uh, uh, I industrial think that was that the year, year before, maybe. That was the story you wrote about, and you wrote about this wrote one about also. So. I think Laura wrote about this. Oh, one. Laura wrote it was about not this me. one. But um, I think this was uh, jigs and fixtures, um, and I, th I, th I think I read the design time with for those tools went from up to four hours to down to ten, ten minutes, minutes. Um, and I think the costs were halved. So obviously a, a pretty good application. And it's also an application that's basically a. Uh, a development of an application we all know well and good from Automaker, the jigs and fixtures. This is another step in the automation of it. Mm. Uh, it feels like that's just the done thing now, rather than being a. I think so. Having um, an Automaker on the shop floor. Yeah, we'll come to. I mean, there's a. I've been speaking to a, another company who's here exhibiting, and uh, they would later win an award. So we'll come on to that. But jigs and fixtures for them is a huge market. Trinkle are an interesting company as well. They're a German startup. Mm -hmm. They won the startup award at Form Next and. 2015 maybe or they've, 16. They've really uh, they've kicked on. Yeah. Highly commended in that category was the PSPM ball joint exhaust system. Do you know much about that, Sam? I don't know much about that. Sam, did you know much about that? <laughs> I, I don't. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, it was a um, apart from poly shape and it was uh, designed for additive manufactured parts that okay. was uh, for stopping things getting trapped in exhaust systems in extreme rally conditions. So mm -hmm. when people are flying around corners in the mud mm. in North Wales, it's uh, <laughs> a quite a common problem is that mud or dirt or anything gets stuck in the exhaust and then it affects the car. This is a way to kind of uh, filter that out basically using okay. design product management. It's quite a nice application. I don't see it. I don't know whether it'll come to um, the mass user, mm. but motorsport's a big area for 3D printing. And last night was in the, the awards was hosted in the National Conference Center which is part of the National Motorbike Museum. Yeah. I didn't see any motorbikes, did either no. of you two? No, I didn't. We should have explored more. Onto yeah. something that I know that you definitely wrote about, Sam. Okay. Uh, the Consumer Product Application Awards 2019. The winner was uh, Precision Diamond Helmet Liner from Karma and 
Are we saying Rydell? Rydell, I think. Although I was speaking to someone from Carbon who said Rydell. So this is another one that I don't know. I'd quite like to go with Riddle. Riddle. Um, Not Rydell High. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so that's actually the third time in a row that Carbon has won the Consumer Application Award. Um, And this one was a partnership with Rydell um, that they've been working on for some years, I think. And basically it was kind of uh, knowledge and technology transfer from the, the partnership with Adidas. Um, same kind of material, um, same kind of lattice structure in, in the pads and they've gone from 20 pads to seven within the helmet. And um, there, there's a 140,000 what they call struts, um, which basically absorb impact. So when a player gets tackled and it's come off the back of so Rydell, who've got 70% market share in uh, football helmets, they have had for years now sensors within the helmet to kind of monitor all of this data over 10 years of how it affects the head, when, when and where uh, players are tackled. And so I think the, they're exploring at the moment, um, looking at how they can modify the liners for the positions on the pitch. Because I don't know the NFL positions, but if you imagine the players that rush in to block a tackle on the quarterback, they're more likely to get a bit of a whack to the head. And so they're looking at how they can modify the helmet uh, for those guys. It was a big... Um, it was a Will Smith film that inspired all this. Uh, is it called Concussion? The I film? don't know. I'm not, I'm not aware of that. I've never heard of that. Uh, well, it was a huge story about American football and the controversy surrounding dementia and mm. head injuries. Right. Uh, so it's really interesting to see 3D printing tackling one of the bigger issues in the world. Mm. Highly commended in this was um, Home Appliance Spare Paths, um, which is really interesting to me because when I first started in this job, the first thing I heard about was that people were printing uh, spare knobs for their ovens that were broken at home. And I thought, that sounds like it could work. Mm. Uh, and there was talk of a company like, uh, I think IKEA were mentioned, whereas mm. when you think of... Um, Am I pronouncing that right, Sandra? Sorry? Is it Ikea? Ikea. Ikea. <laughs> uh, when you think about the what goes into just a bracket that breaks, uh, they manufacture it, they store it, they ship it. Logistically, that is quite mm. a huge expense. Uh, but if you had the potential to send someone a file and 3D print it, which I know is not exactly what this is happening, this is an SLS technology, even this is a bit further down the line. Mm. I always thought that that still, to me, sounds like a perfectly legitimate use case for home. I think when people we talk mm. about 3D printers in every home, uh, I think people envisage them as, oh, well, they're not going to do everything. But I think every home has a screwdriver or every home has a drill, and it's not like you use it every day. Yeah. They could but live out back. <laughs> the um, IKEA story was about, I think, little gadgets that would help um, people with limited ability, physical yep. ability, to use their furniture better. <laughs> That's a really nice I, story. Um, but have they considered that for just general spare parts as well? Or, or I'm sure they've considered it, Where how far along they are with it. I know that uh, they are very, I mean, they had a product in their stores last year from a, uh, it was actually nominated for a TCT award, wasn't it? Maybe in this one, in consumer. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, from a company called, was it Wasp? or WASP yeah. in Ireland, uh, and it was a, it was a, I think it was maybe a coat hook that was in the shape of a hand, and they'd sold okay. it in the shelves and they sold out, and it was a 3D printed pass. Right. And 
you were on the podcast yesterday, Sandra and Phil Reeve were saying that there are plenty of these examples where we don't see 3D printing and it's not talked about, but there is 3D printing on all sorts yeah. of things like CT scanners in hospitals. Moving on to the uh, Creative Application Award. This was a uh, hotly debated one between myself and Laura. Laura had her favorite, which was the GE and Protolabs dress. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, that's here, isn't it? That's here. It's, it looks quite impressive on the stand. Yeah, it does. I, I thought it looked really tiny. <laughs> Must have just ti be tiny people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the thing that eventually won was a project that I really am passionate about, which was the uh, Replica dra Dragon Conservation Project. Mm. Now, Craig Hatto did the keynote yesterday morning. Uh, I went to see that when they unveiled it at Kew Gardens. And you know me, Sam, I'm a skeptic, and nothing really excites me that much this day and age. That was amazing. Yeah. The, the, the work that has gone into those dragons, the, the public can just see these nice looking replica dragons that uh, are based on uh, 16th century design that um, they were either lost in fires or they were either too heavy for the, um, for the pagoda itself. Um, so they had to take all these things into account. And if you take a look at, for instance, if you take a look at the back of one of those dragons, you can't see it to the naked eye, you can't see it, but if you, you can unscrew the back and that is then the bolt that holds it in to the, to the mm. structure. And there's all these really nice design for additive manufacturing things. It was finished to perfection. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, there is one on the 3D system stand over here. Recommend anybody to go and have a look at it. Um, they did 72 of these uh, replicas and they are all there. They are built to last 200 years is what they've said. Yeah. It's a durable material. They are lightweight. They're not going to bring the whole palace down. Uh, and it's a really good, like we added conservation to the magazine because we were getting mm. a lot of these projects um, coming in and it's obviously a really good application for the technologies. Yeah. It's something that I really like. And as I said last night when they were accepting the award, it's, it's open for the public to see. So it's kind of one of those that gets the technology out there that, you know, in the kind of mainstream media, a project like that will not get any traction, but you know, people can go and see that whenever they want. And the highly commended in that category was a, uh, was a church retable that's in, uh, in Bavaria in Konsandre. Altmuthof. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a really nice piece. It looks impressive. Um, there were some surprises that it, it beat out the GE dress, but that's yeah. what we have mm -hmm. the judges for. They decide, and it's mm -hmm. not our fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the hardware award for non-polymer systems. Okay. Uh, you actually went to see the winner yesterday, Sam, is that correct? That is correct. And so. uh, it's the kind of thing that I'm going to sit down and listen to the interview back before I try and fully explain it. But Who was the winner? Uh, it was an Isoprint, apologies, um, for their composite fiber co-extrusion system. And uh, they are a 3D printing vendor. And so they have two machines out at the minute. Um, the Composer A4 and A3, and the build platform is the size of an A4 sheet of paper and an A3 sheet of paper. Um, and it has two print heads, one um, for kind of standard polymers, and that's not something that they offer themselves or they provide themselves. That's anything you take off, you know, off the shelves in the industry. And then um, one of two fibers, one of which is carbon, and the other I can't remember the name of, but it's, fr it's from Kevlar? a. No, it's from, um, you said it was similar to glass, but it was kind of rock-based. Okay. I can't remember what it's called. But, um, and they'll be offering more in time, but 
um, basically you can adjust the balance of how much uh, fiber you're putting into the part um, in their slicing software. And these are the guys who are saying that, you know, jigged and fixtures on these machines they have now are obviously a, a big market for them. But uh, an A2 platform is coming out. Um, I can't remember when he said, um, but they're also saying, the team there, that um, their technology is actually better for bigger parts. So they kind of see their future uh, in that kind of, you know, bigger bigger system area. I mean, the, I think they'll still uh, sell the A4 and the A3, but um, they're really looking at bigger parts and they're saying there'll be, you know, even more advancements. It won't be exactly the same uh, kind of capabilities, but on a larger machine, they'll, um, they'll kind of industrialize it, I think. Where are they based? Are they Russian? So they've got, I think that R&D happens in Russia. They've got an office in Germany and then it was somewhere else in Europe where their headquarters is in. Um, Lithuania, maybe, or somewhere like that. What stands them out from Mark Forged? I think, I think what will, so what they were saying is it, is, it is going to be that bigger machine because there isn't a machine of that size in the market that can produce parts that big, um, you know, that does composite printing. There's obviously Mark Forged, um, and I suppose for now they're competing with them, but I think once the A2 comes out, they'll, um, at, for a time at least, be the only, the only vendor offering that kind of solution. So, yeah. And the highly commended in that category was uh, Velo 3D. We may as well get out of the way as well that they, they won the Rising Star <laughs> yeah. Award. Uh, they were another company that I visited in oh, two years ago now nearly. I, I went to see them in their... Uh, went to see that in the, I forget where it was, Campbell, California facility. Uh, they were really in stealth mode then, but even then mm. you could tell just by the people that they were hiring on LinkedIn <laughs> that they were, uh, they were a company that were the ones to watch. And then I went to see them at IMTS and they had this really strange situation at IMTS because IMTS had a additive manufacturing pavilion. They went on it. They'd booked very last minute. They didn't think they were going to be ready. Uh, and they were out in the sticks. I had to get a bus to go <laughs> see them. Uh, and, uh, but when I got there, uh, Tatiana, who was formerly of Autodesk, she's the software um, software guru there. Um, she was just talking to me about the system itself, and it sounds fantastic. Uh, and everybody in the industry has very good things to say about the, the quality of the parts and the things that are coming off them. Um, I mean, it, I still can't quite get to the bottom of uh, non-contact uh, recoating, I think, or relayering, which mm. is. Uh, it seems like magic to me, yeah. but anyway. Uh, we'll move on to the Polymer System Hardware Award now. Uh, this was a good, good one because we had in the office a debate on whether it was uh, Nanofabrica or Nanofabrica. <laughs> I said it must be Fabrica. Someone else said it's Fabrica. Uh, somebody went on YouTube and it was decided that it was Fabrica. Yeah, that was me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when they collected the award last night, they said Fabrica like Paprika. Yeah. Do you know much about them, Sam? I, I don't, but when you look at the, the, the size of the parts that they produce, it is kind of amazing because they are so tiny. Like there's, a, there's an image of one in a hand and it, it just looks like a bit bigger than a speck of dust, yeah. but not much. And what's the like? It's a fantastic technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a similar technology from Cytosurge in Switzerland uh, for metals, but it was it's very difficult. It seemed very difficult then for them to find an applications. I can't personally think of many applications that need it, but I suppose uh, 
cell phones and things like that. Really tiny kind electronics. Kind of, yeah, electronics, yeah. Uh, highly commended in that category was Form Labs with the low force stereolithography. Yeah. Um, we all know Form Labs, we all know their story. Yeah, uh, I launched it back in, back in April, I think, at AMUG. Yeah. Um, so, bigger platform than their kind of usual systems. And I was talking to 3D Systems this week about their figure four, um, and obviously brought up Form Labs as kind of a competitor in that kind of DLP market. And um, they were saying how at the kind of Form 2 level, um, Form Labs had done a really good job of bringing people into the industry. And then what tends to happen is they get to a point where sometimes they have to move up to a, another platform. That's where 3D Systems picks up a lot of its customers. But they did say um, with the, the 3L, um, they might have to rethink a few things in terms of the products they offer. The next award of the evening was the Healthcare Application Award. Um, and the winner of that was the Neuro-Infused Neuro Drug Delivery System, which I know, Sam, you wrote the uh, cover story for TCT Magazine, and also, Sandra, you then translated it. Uh, yeah. Was that one of... Uh, healthcare stories tend to make me wince. Did that make you wince at all, that story, when you first read it? No. Wince, although it does, it's something that goes through the skull, so yeah, maybe it should yeah. have. Uh, it was more that it was a, a bit sad. It was um, a bit I sad. Um, so I actually, I first saw this, uh, I went down to Misk in, in South Wales, March, February, March of last year, um, and I saw the whole setup, and then it kind of um, slipped my mind, and then about a year later, there was a BBC documentary um, that aired about the the drug trial that happened a few years ago now, but it was over 18 months. And essentially, Renishaw had um, manufactured this drug delivery system, uh, 3D printed a titanium port, which was rough on the inside and kind of smooth on the outside, and it's rough on the inside to um, facilitate bone integration. Um, and then there's four channels and four catheters that infuse the drug directly into the brain, um, which has, it's, Kind of risky. If it goes wrong, it can, you know, it can cause a stroke. Um, so it has to be, you know, uh, accurate and, you know, done with precision. And um, basically, the the trial ended. Uh, I think there was about 40 participants, and um, I don't think my article will do justice. But on the documentary, the the improvements that some of those patients made is incredible. Um, but on for, average, for Parkinson's, right? I don't think you yeah, mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, it was uh, Parkinson's. The delivery system that Renishaw made can be used for a number of different diseases, but the trial was for Parkinson's. Um, and so you had people who were, had, had not been able to write before or for a certain time and, and now were and that kind of thing. But on as a collective, they only improved uh, by 6% and they needed 20%. Um, so although the, the drug delivery system worked, there, there probably needs to be a higher dosage of the, of the drug that was used. Um, but I think from Renishaw's perspective, it's, it's a technology that works, and I think they're taking it into, uh, you know, into other kind of uh, drug companies and, and working with them on, on future trials too. What's the, why does it need to be 3D printed? What's the... Because, because you can you can make it so that the port is rough on one side and smooth on the other. So it needed to be smooth on the outside um, in case anybody was touching it or whatever, but it needed to be rough to ensure that uh, bone integration could happen because the port would just stay in, in the patient's head for, for nine months at a time, I think. Or I think they would swap it out every month, maybe. 
um, they would go back and, and kind of monitor progress, but that's the reason for 3D printing it, yeah. When, when we go through all of these, obviously we've written about them and reported on them, and you'll have seen some of them, Sandra. Um, do you have any favorite like particular sectors? For instance, is healthcare something that really interests you, or is it aerospace or automotive, or are you into the creative? Because obviously, you know, we've had a full cycle of magazines now. Yeah. In Germany. Um, <laughs> I think healthcare is very interesting just because it, um, you can connect it more easily to the end user who yeah. is a human who needs help with their health. Um, whereas if, it, if it's aerospace or automotive, um, it's obviously very useful. Um, I'm not massively into cars or the insides of an aeroplane, so... <laughs> I mean, you, it you cycle to work. Yes. <laughs> so it takes another few steps to see, um, you know, before you realize, oh, that's actually really good. Mm. Whereas if there's, a, there's a human at the end of it and their life has improved, it's, it's a bit easier to sort of get into. I think what's interesting is that highly commended in that category was the biomimetic regenerative scaffold. Um, and what's really nice to see uh, from both the winner and the highly commended that it isn't just medical models. Mm. You know, we're, we're all used to seeing mm. these 3D printed medical models and there are uh, studies to suggest that it's really beneficial. Yeah, I think there was an actual 3D submission yeah. that was shortlisted that was a really good case study and but, could arguably have won. But it really is good to see 3D printed parts being used in actual Mm. surgery basically yeah. mm. anyway let's move on to our next one which is the industrial product application award now the winner in this uh, was the industrial robot dough cutting knife mm -hmm. now I must admit that when I saw the shortlist and I read that name I thought what <laughs> yeah. why do we need to 3D print these things yeah. and then when you actually look dig into the um, dig into the details about it it's um like really, really an incredible case study. Is my microphone gone? I think you just need to move it down. Um, yeah, it's designed, it, it was completely designed for additive. It was printed by Additive Industries. They were sitting on the table opposite us and they really cheered. And this is a product mm. that is not just a prototype or something that might be good. This is, this is in factory floors making a huge difference. So um, the part reduction went from 20 to one which reduced the weight by 90%. Um, this cuts, this led to more cuts per hour, reducing the need from eight to six robots, saving 120,000 euros in total. So this was not a, mm. I may have laughed at it <laughs> at first, but this was a really, really interesting case study and a good example of um, how additive manufacturing can affect just a factory floor mm. uh, rather than 3D printing dough, we are mm. uh, cutting it with the knives. And the highly commended in this category is actually something that I went to see mm -hmm. uh, last year, which was a generatively designed AM work holding from Matsura, and Autodesk and HP were involved in that. And what was really interesting for that, from my perspective, was when I went to see Matsura. Matsura are known as these really high-end CNC machines uh, doing really high-end parts. And when they took HP on, it kind of didn't, it didn't seem to fit in my mind uh, what they were going to do, but then when you see what they were doing, they're basically, work holdings can take six to eight weeks to come and make, but what they were doing is, you buy a Matsura machine, you buy a HP machine, next week you can make your work holdings there and then. Mm. Uh, they were 
Matsura said that when people first saw those parts as well, they laughed at them because work holders are such a traditionally metal, very mm. heavy parts because they're holding big heavy metal parts. Um, but it actually turned out the generative designed one was stronger. It was made in, in nylon, it was stronger, uh, and it was obviously a lot lighter and a hell of a lot cheaper. Mm. And those kind of applications are the applications that we, I, I like to see where uh, uh, jigs and fixtures, obviously uh, one in the automotive space, but if you were to, the ability to potentially automate that using something like uh, Autodesk generative design tools, yeah. uh, that could really speed the process up. Mm -hmm. We go on to our next category. That was the Inspect Application Award. Um, I had people on my table that really did think they were going to win this category. Unfortunately, they didn't. <laughs> uh, it was a story. This is not the winner. Uh, it was the 3D measurement company, the Chronicles of Iron Bridge. So the Coracles yeah, of, Iron Bridge. of Iron Bridge. That made me go to Iron. Your article there made me go to <laughs> Iron Bridge. It was a tourist thing that I'd never yeah. really thought about. But the actual winner was another thing that you worked on, which was non-destructing imaging forensics. Yes, and yeah. the highly commended too. I might as well do those both. Do the both, Sam. Uh, so last year, to be fair, you can take some of the credit for this because we had a meeting maybe 18 months ago and you said you wanted to know about how the police force and emergency services might be using 3D printing. And that's how I found that article, um, or that story rather. Um, and so basically um, Warwick University I've been working with West Midlands Police and the Crown Prosecution Service. And basically what they've done is take, um, as you uh, referenced before, an application from the medical industry in anatomical models and just put them in the courtroom. So when, um, when defendants are, or when you know, their representatives are um, kind of delivering the case and, and showing what has happened or what is alleged to have happened, um, Quite often in, um, whether it be a murder case or um, an ABH or GBH case, some of the things that the jury will have to see are quite graphic. Um, and that it only not puts people off wanting to do jury service, but it can also sway the decision they come to because they want, they obviously want the jury to have compassion for the victim, but they don't want kind of emotion to get in the way of how they view things too much and so what they do is rather than as you'll see in medical where they want to use color 3d printing um to to really portray the different areas that a surgeon has to consider they just print um body parts in neutral colors um and you can still see kind of like there was an indentation in the skull where somebody had been hit by a hammer but it was just a basically like a, a white a white piece of plastic and there was a bit of a dent in it. So, um, and it's things like that. And um, I think at the time of speaking to them, they'd, they'd worked on 100 cases. That's probably loads more now. I think it says 120 cases on the, okay. uh, the application. Um, and it, yeah, 14 it's, police forces. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good story. It's happening up and down the country, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I spoke to a couple of people over in America who have actually um, set up companies to just offer that service, where they work with lawyers and, and the police to just print these kind of things. They scan uh, body parts and, uh, yeah, and, and print models. I'd imagine that it's um, very difficult to keep it secure. Obviously, you can't have people tampering with evidence or seeing evidence ahead of it, so it's a, it's a process that needs to be, it's not just print, 
like send it to a service bureau, it needs to be. Yeah. So it's the university, Warwick with a tech lead, and uh, they were delighted as to be probably, I think, the only university that won an award last night. Or? I, yeah, I think so, maybe. Well, um, they were certainly were up until the point where they stood up. Yeah, uh, and obviously on that same trip, um, just as a kind of a sideshow to what I was actually there for, um, they, they showed me, um, there was a dinosaur jaw, um, which I'd uh, printed in a J750, and then there was, um, I don't think they'd printed it out by this stage, but it was showing me on the, on his computer the, the scans of uh, the Oxford Dodo, which was an exhibit in um, the University of Oxford History Museum, I think. And basically, they'd sent that to Warwick to get scanned, just to kind of preserve it, I suppose, to protect um, that exhibit in case anything ever happened to it. They just wanted the data there. Um, there's been a few incidents this year where you know we know how important that is nowadays. And what they found when they when they scanned it was that at the back of the skull of the of the dodo there were these lead pellets, and what that would have meant was that it was shot and probably that's how it died. And basically the context of that is there's um, wide debate about why dodos actually went into extinction, whether it was because they were hunted out of extinction or existence rather, um, whether um, their, their natural habitat was destroyed, whether it was just kind of starvation. And this would obviously point to the former. Yeah. Um, I, I think now the plan is to, to print it and kind of do some more analysis in that area um, but it's, it's that kind of thing where it might only help a small bit but it it you know does kind of maybe change the complexion the history of of the you know entire species well I wrote an article what going back three or four years now uh, about the tongue child school which was a school of one of the oldest humans found in existence in South Africa mm. um, and uh, when they examined that, they, were, it was fa they found it very difficult to like understand how that child had died. Um, and w after they'd scanned and 3D printed it, printed it, they sent it another, and they said, "Oh, you can see that there's like um, these indentations on the brow." Mm. And what that signified, it turned out, was that that child had been uh, picked, swooped by an eagle, picked right. up. Right. Oh. Sucked out. Uh, they like to eat their eyes and suck out the brains. Lovely. So really nice things them eagles but what they were saying to me was that the beauty of having a 3d scan like that is that you can send it to research institutes across the globe if you want to send an artifact from a museum to another museum for them to research ensuring that and shipping that is absolutely phenomenal the costs but in this way you can scan it you can send them an email you can say can you take a look at this and that their point of view was that it could potentially it was digitizing uh, the museum collectors could potentially lead to us a greater a wider knowledge of discovery, discovery of knowledge mm. from across the globe. Those things are really interesting. They are. Anyway, the Inspects Hardware Award, which is not something we are overly au fait with, but the uh, winner was the Faro Optolab, uh, a dental 3D scanner, which is obviously a huge industry for 3D printing and um, being able to 3D scan the molds is hugely important. There is quite a uh, I think, is it called V3 Shaper? One of the only companies who actually do it, and it's interesting to see Faro, big scanning company, stepping into this market. Uh, highly commended, and that was Ophio, Beamwatch, AM. Um, we'll move on to the Materials Award for Polymers. Um, the winner was Formlabs Draft re Resin. We, they were we made up too. We touched on that Formlabs story before, but yeah. uh, 
having used a Formula a Form One machine when they first came out, uh, speed was definitely necessary if you're going to talk about prototyping. And I think that addresses the, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Highly commended in that was a filamentive one PET, which is a recycled filament. Um, and then materials non-polymers. The winner was <laughs> XJet's S100 soluble support, which we. Sandra, you will be the, probably the only person on the team who hasn't had the privilege of seeing Draud and I do his uh, almost magic trick with uh, the soluble yeah. support. He yeah. takes a, uh, a Tupperware box and he gets support off stainless steel parts. <laughs> it is quite impressive to watch. It is very impressive, isn't it? I think it takes 10 minutes. 10 minutes, and Draw's always mm -hmm. made up to do it, and he's very yeah. willing to perform it. So when you see Draw at Formnext, ask him to perform his magic trick. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll have it there. Uh, highly commended in that category was Vibonite 480 cementide carbide. Obviously, materials are very important. We see mm. that everywhere throughout the show. Yeah, loads uh, of launches this week. A lot of material launches. And materials are basically when you come into an industry, you say, I want to make this part in this material. Do you manufacture that material? And that's quite often the path they go down rather than yeah. knowing what technology that they want to use. It's what material they want to use. Yeah, I was in an Ascentium talk and I forget what material it was now, but he basically said, um, how many of you have to use this material? And, and maybe half the room put their hand up. They wouldn't. They wouldn't budge on that. They feel like they have to use that certain material for the for the applications that they do. Uh, and so we move on to the post-processing award. The winner was intelligent depowdering, uh, which was Siemens and Solucom. Uh, depowdering parts made by DMLS is, mm. is can be quite tricky, specifically if you have parts in. Um, internal little channels, and I know that with SLS nylon parts, uh, some of the service bureaus like Digital Widgets, what they do is when they have these cavities, is they, um, they 3D print almost like these pipe cleaners that stick out the end of the parts, so that if you've got an internal channel, you pull this pipe cleaner out, and it pulls all the dust out with it. Oh, Obviously, no. that's not kind of possible with metals, and this is what this is supposed to, uh, this, is, this technology is kind of addressing. You can't mm -hmm. just make a nice little pipe cleaner and pull it out of a metal part. Um, Highly commended in that category was a Herzenberger Engineered Services H6000, which is an absolutely mammoth is it? <laughs> automated post-processing machine. You'll be able to see it at form next. I think it's a giant machine. Is it? uh, but it's interesting that both of the uh, post-processing technologies that were out in the judges' minds were post-processing for metal yeah. technologies. It's a uh, post-processing of metal, powder, metal parts is Fundamentally, fundamentally one of the rate limiting steps. Mm -hmm. um, and I think solutions in the polymer world, the likes of Dimension and AMT, they have kind of really addressed that. Yeah. So it's now to these guys to make these advancements in the metals. I think uh, manufacturers who use, um, you know, who, who manufacture metal products as well, when they look at kind of the post processing of metal 3D print and a kind of um, particularly if it's like machining, they're like, well, we machine parts anyway, so why are we now additively manufacturing it and then machining it? Yeah. Um, so I think the you know advancements are definitely needed on that side. And the final award that we'll go through because we're doing it in alphabetical order is the software award. Uh, the winner of this was the NTOP platform of Fermentopology. topology. Mm. Uh, I had Dave Byrne sat next to me on uh, my table. He was on the expert advisory board, and he said he was. This wasn't one of the categories that he judged. Okay. He said, but this is the the standout winner from all of the awards was this software platform. Mm. It's very difficult to get your head around, yeah. uh, unless you are an engineer. Uh, but the engineers that use it absolutely love it, and therefore I think it must be good. Yeah. Uh, 
it, there's a lot of difficulties in simulating additive manufacturing parts, um, and their software really addresses that and allows you to create these 3D, complex 3D shapes that aren't just point clouds or uh, you know crazy G-code. This is a, a software that people feel is truly going to revolutionize the way that we make manufacture parts. Mm. And another company who are trying to do this, a similar thing is Dendrite. Their additive toolkit was highly commended. Uh, Laura's, Laura was very um, enthusiastic about them after ABUG. Yep. Uh, they're a company, they're only new. They only launched last year, so I think they are one of the ones to watch. I think they both are, and I think, um, I think if I remember rightly, that was quite a competitive category. I think there was a lot of um, good entries and um, you know, th as you mentioned, those two companies are kind of brand new. And I know Mark Forge is in there, who've been going for years and have been working on their software for years. Um, and I think uh, Anthropology got up and said, uh, I hope we live up to it, um, which was quite nice. Uh, it was, I'm it was sure nice they And they brought the whole team on stage, which is always did, quite a yeah. nice thing to see. Yeah. Uh, and I think the final thing to talk about is actually uh, the TCT Hall of Fame this year. Mm -hmm. um, Professor Gideon Levy. Levy. Uh, he won out after stiff competition from uh, the likes of Todd Graham, Terry Wallace, Phil Dickens, Graham Tromans, who were all nominated. Mm -hmm. um, but what was interesting is that, you know, and what is interesting about the Hall of Fame Awards is it's a, it's a belt and braces approach. So not only is Gideon being nominated by his peers mm -hmm. in the uh, Experts Advisory Board, but then the public are voting for Gideon as well. Yeah. Uh, some of the work that he's done. He, he wasn't someone I was overly aware of until we, we until we shortlisted this, actually. Uh, I'd, I'd seen him at trade shows. Uh, I'd never actually spoken to him before. He is hugely responsible for taking this technology away from rap just rapid prototyping. He could see that SLS, for instance, <coughs> he could see that that was a technology that was not just suitable for rapid prototyping, but suitable for end-use products, but the problem was the materials. So he and his team at the University of Applied Sciences in St. Gallen in Switzerland, they really set about creating a Duraform, the PA12 material that is now commonplace in all SLS parts. And it was his kind of like vision for a technology that that set it apart from what Scott Crump and Chuck Hall had set up to do. They just wanted to prototype things quicker. Yeah. Gideon could see this next step ahead and he was always one step ahead. So I think he was a great, real good winner of the Hall of Fame. His talk was really nice. He stole my headline. He did. <laughs> uh, or you stole his headline. I stole his headline. You did speak to him on the phone last week. He so... did not say that on the phone last week. <laughs> doesn't but look good, Dan. It doesn't. But anyway, I had a great night. Did you have a good night, Sam? I had a really good night. Did you enjoy it, Sandra, your first yes, TC I Awards? Did, yeah. You're going to come back for next year's? Yes. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, and let's enjoy the rest of the show of all three and a half hours that we have left. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers.